Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Let me just tell you something. This Saturday, we had several thousand people turn out of Barnes & Noble at Tyson's Corner Mall. Everybody was beautifully behaved. Great patriots, wonderful people, all ages, all races, all religions, all physical features. It was magnificent. Something is stirring out there. I'm telling you. Something is stirring out there. This is my third of four book signings. And they've all been packed. And this Saturday, it's the Reagan Library. It's sold out in nine and a half minutes. Now, you tell me what's going on out there. It's a big deal. And the media are missing all of it. All of it. Because they're so infatuated with themselves. They're so obsessed with themselves. Just like they missed 2016, just like they missed most things. They're missing what's going on right now. Now, I'll get back to that a little later, but I tell you, this is really tremendous. Tremendous. And we posted a little chart. Did you get it up there, Mr. Bedouce, on the social sites? Isn't that amazing? My last four books, including this one, the first week, hardcover, they all sold a total of about a quarter of a million. But the first week, hardcover, like 61,000, the next one, like in the 50s, the next one in the upper 50s, next one, mid 50s, this one, over 120,000. And if we add an ebook and audio, this book has sold nearly 150,000 copies or units, they call them. In the first week. That's you. And the media don't understand how you're engaged and how you're disgusted with them. As they die on the vine, slowly but surely, that's exactly what they're doing. I'm going to give you a perfect example from current events. All, what, Sunday long, the word nasty. The president's interview... With the Sun, the British paper, the Sun, on Friday. I guess all weekend it was going on. Now, I'm sure others have played this, but they don't have my take. Listen to this. Cut 13, go. Now, uh, Meghan, who's now the Duchess of Sussex, Sussex right. uh, we've given her a different name, she can't make it because she's got maternity leave. Are you sorry not to see her because she wasn't so nice about you during the campaign? I don't know if you saw that. I don't. I didn't know that, no. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, I, I hope she's okay. Uh, I did not know that, no. She said she'd move to Canada if you got elected. Turned out she moved to Britain. Well, that would be good. <laughs> There are a lot of people moving here. So what can I say? No, I didn't know that she was nasty. Stop. I didn't know that she was nasty. 
First of all, what kind of questions are these? It's intended to stir the pot. That's not news. Not news about anything. So they reach back. I didn't know that she was nasty. In the context of what he is saying, everybody knows what president meant. Everybody. It's like Charlottesville. But the press can't help it. They cannot help it. Go on. Having an American princess, Mr. President. Does that well, I, think sort of help I think it's nice. I think it's nice. And I'm sure she'll do uh, excellently. She'll be, uh, she'll be very good. She'll be very good. I hope she does. So you see, that was followed by, again, very nice comments. Very nice comments. Now, given this was going on for two weeks, that the president called Megan, Megan Markle, nasty, was a big event all weekend. First of all, I don't care if he did call her nasty. What do you think about that? She was nasty, but he didn't. Now, anyone can call Trump whatever they want. Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, white supremacist. White extremists, racist, anti-Semite, whatever they want. That's fine. Did you call this princess nasty? Again, he didn't call the princess nasty. But even if he did, does that compare to anything that he's been called? Now, the man who was conducting the interview, Tom Dunn, the Sun editor, who prompted the tr- the Trump uh, quote-unquote, nasty quip about uh, Meghan McCarroll. Here's what he had to see being questioned by CNN's idiot. Well, there's so many idiots. Brooke Baldwin. May I call her nasty? I think Brooke Baldwin's nasty. Do you think she's nasty, Mr. Producer? I think she's nasty. Go ahead. The president, the White House, his allies, all denying that he ever referred to Meghan Markle as nasty. You were there. You heard it. Now, what is all this? What is all this? All you Levinites who've been reading on freedom of the press. What is this? It's a pseudo event. It's a manufactured story. The purpose of which is to damage the president. It's endless. These manufactured stories. The president calls it fake news. That's what it is. It is a pseudo event. A non-issue. Manufactured that they press as news. It has nothing to do with reality. Nothing to do with fact. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Shows it. So what is your response today to the White House denying that he said it? Well, I think this is all a bit of a row about semantics. Uh, he clearly said the words, I didn't know she was nasty. And that's on tape. We played the tape. We've had it on our website since Friday night since we published the whole interview. So I don't think that's in dispute. Uh, perhaps what is in dispute is what he meant by that. Uh, now, if he had finished the sentence, I didn't know she was nasty about me or to me, then clearly she would have been referring to the fact that she was pretty disparaging about the president during his 2016 election campaign. Uh, it therefore leaves it open that he might have been saying that she was being uh, nasty um, for per se. She was a nasty person. So it feels like it's a, a little bit of a, a row, perhaps a bit overblown. I have to say it's not even huge play here. No, 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 but that's just the American press. Where it's huge play because they hate Trump and his supporters. And it's the Democrat Party progressive social activist press. And I'll give you a perfect example. I want you to listen to the Associated Press White House reporter. Now, haven't I had a confrontation with this guy in the past over spying Mr. Producer? Isn't this the guy? Jonathan Laramie. He's a complete fraud. 
It's a left-wing hack, a complete fraud. And yet the Associated Depressed is all over the place. It's a wire story. All the local newspapers and others pick it up because, you know, they can't afford reporters in Washington, D.C. So Jonathan Lamar, who is a fraud, the Associated Depressed White House reporter, a Democrat Party journalist, a progressive, a social activist. Cut 15, go. Let's also point out, Meghan Markle is of African-American heritage. The mayor of London is Muslim. These are things that resonate sometimes with the president, that he often will go after people of color, of those ethnicities. Now listen to how sick this guy is. So Trump went after Meghan Markle because she has some African-American ancestry. That's why he went after her. Now, so it's two steps removed from the truth. One, he didn't go after her. Two, he certainly didn't go after her because she had some African-American lineage. But it doesn't matter to Jonathan Lemire. He's the Associated Depressed White House reporter, which means he's a social activist, progressive Democrat Party hack. Again, those of you who read on Freedom of the Press, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's who he is. So you see, the president is a racist, but he can't use the word nasty. And the idea that the president only criticizes black people and Muslims is so sick, it's beyond belief. This guy should be fired. If we had a real media in this country, a free press in this country, Jonathan Lamar would not have a job as a journalist because he's a hack. Not only that, did you notice how he mixed so-called news with opinion. There's not a, a whit of news in anything he said. Nothing. But he's being interviewed by CNN, a news program, CNN Today, as a journalist, the AP White House reporter, and there's not a syllable of news in any of this. It's all pseudo-fake news. Go ahead nationalities, you know, and the, the base is based sometimes response. So we don't want to lose sight of. So of now that. you're the problem, you see, because the base responds to this stuff. The base responds to this stuff, meaning you. Because you're like the president. You attack African-Americans and Muslims. There's something wrong with you. Jonathan Lemire knows because he's the AP White House reporter. Pretty sick, isn't it? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Tomorrow, though, will be sort of the politics of this. He has a meeting with May. He has a news conference with the prime minister afterwards. And we know on as often that's where we hear the real president, like unvarnished, unscripted moments, not like dinner tonight. We'll hear from him what he really thinks about the situation here. Then, Jonathan Lemire is Jonathan Lelire. A little bit of French. Lelire, the liar. Jonathan Lelire, the Associated Depressed, he just manufactured a completely false narrative, a pseudo-event, pushed it out as news on CNN, a pseudo-news operation, okay? So this is no relevance to reality whatsoever. None. And this has been going on all weekend long. All weekend long. I say to my wife, you know, I'm reading these stories about China, what China's doing, the threats they are, the threat China is to us. I'm reading all these stories about other. They're never covered or they're never covered in any serious fashion. They're certainly never covered in any significant way for a uh, for a for a period of time. 
And so the word nasty. Because you can get a whole narrative in here about racism and uh, anti-Islam and uh, and the president trashing a princess. I mean, it, it's just so grotesquely dishonest. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Professor Kengor from the Great Grove City College, tech, he uh, emails me and he says, that's chapter five, chapter five. I know. We lay it all out. You're going to now be able to watch the media, listen to the media, and interpret like a professor exactly what they're doing. Tell your family members and your coworkers and your friends exactly what you're doing. You're going to be able to analyze them in ways they've never been analyzed before. We've talked about pseudo-events and Professor Borstein at Chicago. It is chapter 5. It says, within the last hundred years, and especially in the 20th century, we expect the papers to be full of news. If there's no news visible to the naked eye or to the average citizen, we still expect it to be there for the entertaining, excuse me, enterprising newsman. The successful reporter is one who can find a story even if there's no earthquake or assassination or civil war. If he cannot find a story, then he must make one. By the questions he asks of public figures. You just heard it. By the surprising human interest he unfolds from some commonplace event. Or by the so-called news behind the news. And if all this fails, then he must give us a think piece. An embroidering of well-known facts or a speculation about startling things to come. Impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. It's a new kind of synthetic novelty which has flooded our experience. That being pseudo-events. The common prefix pseudo comes from the Greek word meaning false or intended to deceive. And they mock our president who came up with it a long time ago. Fake news. And I wonder... If he knows that this goes way back, that even Professor Borstein picked up on this. With the advent around the clock media, the news gap soon became so narrow that in order to have additional so-called news for each news edition or each new broadcast, it was necessary to plan in advance the stages by which any available news would be unveiled. With more space to fill, the newsman had to fill it ever more quickly. News gathering turned into news making. 
pseudo-events spawn other pseudo-events and geometric progression, Borston pointed out. And this is partly because every kind of pseudo-event being planned tends to become ritualized, with a protocol and a rigidity all its own. As each type of pseudo-event acquires the rigidity, pressures arise to produce other derivative forms of pseudo-events, which are more fluid, more tantalizing, and more interestingly ambiguous. Let me give you an example. Russia collusion, no. Abstraction, no. Constitutional crisis, no. Impeachment, one pseudo-event, one manufactured news event after another. Nowadays, the test of a Washington reporter is seldom his skill at precise dramatic reporting, but more often his adeptness at dark intimidation. If he wishes to keep his news channels open, he must accumulate a vocabulary and develop a style to conceal his sources and obscure the relation of a supposed event or statement to the underlying facts of life, at the same time seeming to offer hard facts. Man, you could name almost every so-called journalist, couldn't you? Much of his stock and trade is his own and other people's speculation about the reality of what he reports. That's what most of these so-called legal analysts are all about. You know, we're connecting the dots. Uh, There are no dots. There's no collusion. Well, there should be. He helps create that very obscurity without which the supposed illumination of of his reports would be unnecessary. It's exactly what I pointed out in the book. I said a perfect example of this process involves the so-called Russia collusion allegation. Started as a political accusation leveled against candidate Donald Trump by Hillary Clinton and her campaign, followed by political demands by Democratic members of the Senate and the House for the appointment of a special counsel. Despite the lack of any criminal prerequisite, the chorus of Democrat Party press outlets and the reporters encouraging such an appointment by promoting the, the, the demands... Then the actual appointment of Mueller as special counsel, the countless leaks and, spe- and speculation about the investigation, and on and on and on. So this nasty thing, all weekend long, was just manufactured. There was never anything to it. And the White House reporter for the Associated Press pours into it his own insane predilections. That this shows you that the president picks on African-Americans and Muslims. And that his base likes it when he does. Excuse me? What the hell are you talking about? Doesn't matter. He clinged on to this. That's what they do. They cling on to these things. And then push the narrative. This is why they hate the book. This is why you love the book. We'll move on. We'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. 
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Real news, not pseudo news. Hat tip, right scoop, the Hill newspaper. A federal judge has ruled against Democrats who sought to temporarily stop the president from using military funds for a border wall. Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee. Notice how they do that? When they're Obama appointees, you barely know it. Handed the president a needed victory after the White House suffered several losses in the legal battles with congressional Democrats in recent days. Now, that whole paragraph is full of pablum. But let's move on. Judge McFadden ruled that House Democrats cannot go to court to block Trump from using military funds to build a border wall, quote, because the Constitution grants the House no standing to litigate these claims, unquote. To be clear, the court does not imply that Congress may never sue the executive to protect its power, he wrote. But he said that because the House can uh, can the Hill newspaper write. Let me read to you what he said. But he said that because the House to show it has standing in court. What they mean to write is because the House must show it has standing in court. The lack of binding precedent showing they can sue and rulings made in related cases. The court cannot assume jurisdiction to proceed to the merits. Thus, the judge ruled that Democrats did not have standing based on the Constitution. Here's the relevant part, the administration. Judiciary cannot reach the merits of this dispute, it contends. The administration does, because the Constitution grants the House no standing to litigate these cases. The administration is correct. The complete independence of the judiciary is peculiarly essential under our constitutional structure. And this independence requires that the courts take no act of resolution, whatever in political fights between other. But what they're saying is this is called the political doctrine exception. The courts are not supposed to weigh in in political battles between the political branches of the federal government. They're not supposed to take sides like that one jerk Obama judge did in this case. The case presents a close question about the appropriate role of the judiciary in receiving disputes between the other two branches of the federal government. To be clear, the court does not imply that Congress may never sue the executive to protect its powers. But considering the House's burden to establish as standing, the lack of any binding precedent showing that it does... And the teaching of Reigns and Arizona State Legislature, the court cannot assume jurisdiction to proceed to the merits. For these reasons, it will deny the House's motion. A separate order accompanies this opinion. It's the political doctrine exception. The courts do not want to become the political venue through which one branch or the other is able to impose its political will on one branch or the other. Kill the music, please. Finally, we have a judge who understands the Constitution. This is called a political question. Well, what about the unconstitutionality, the National Emergencies Act of 1976? The judge says, hey, look, this is a dispute between the two branches. Not so much a legal or constitutional matter, a political matter. So they have to work it out. What are you asking me to do this for? Wow. Can you think of an activist judge who would ever do anything of the sort? I can't. 
And so now I want to alert CNN and MSLSD, the constipated news work, and MSLSD speaks for itself, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, and the rest of the Democratic Party press. How are you going to write this one up? Just keep blaming it on a Trump judge? What are you going to do with this? Aren't they nasty, ladies? Oh, they're nasty. Very nasty. There was a piece written in The Hill the other day by Professor Alan Dershowitz, who I have enormous respect for, although he's a leftist, so I don't agree with that stuff. But he tries to be consistent when it comes to the Constitution, and usually is. But he wrote a piece, it was, it was a very fascinating piece in The Hill, and he said that basically, yes, the Supreme Court can intervene in an impeachment matter if that impeachment is outside the Constitution. And I won't elaborate, you can read it yourselves. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Supreme Court is never going to intervene in an impeachment matter. For the very reason this district judge just said. It is considered a political question about a constitutional matter. You've heard me say over and over again that there is specific language in the Constitution. It's there for a reason when it comes to impeachment. But the battle between the House and the President of the United States is a political battle. But whether or not you can impeach a president goes down to the, uh, is based on the constitutional language. But the judges are not going to get involved because it is a political battle. They're just not. Now, while we're on this subject, I swung into this subject. We're going to have to learn more and more about impeachment, aren't we? And it's something that, on this program, we are uniquely qualified to discuss. I mean, beyond the surface level. And as I pointed out to you before, one of the finest constitutional thinkers that I've read in modern times is a late professor by the name of Raoul Berger. And uh, Robert Bork also was friends with him and admired him, but the, the absolutely brilliant. And to me, he wrote the definitive book on impeachment called Impeachment, the Constitutional Problems. And I can assure you there's not a single person on TV who's talking to you about this matter who's read the book. Not one. Or looked at the original footnotes. Not one. Except me when I appear on TV. And uh, he's a very, very brilliant man. And he, he writes in part... Let me pull it up here. Give me a second. Scholarly studies are more apt to provoke fresh polemics than to still incessant debate on the matter of impeachment. Even so, I would maintain that history furnishes a plain answer to at least one question that has long cluttered analysis. That is, the test of an impeachable offense in England, and this is what it was based on was not an indictable common law crime, and when the framers withheld from Congress the power to inflict criminal punishment, which had been exercised by Parliament under the course of Parliament as distinguished from the general criminal law, when they limited congressional sanctions on impeachment to removal and disqualification and left criminal punishment to subsequent indictment and conviction, they plainly separated impeachment from criminal process. Now, why am I reading this part? Because you've been hearing pablum. Oddly enough, from people who criticize Mueller on something he happens to be right about. 
which is you cannot indict a sitting president. That is the position of the Department of Justice. Not that the special counsel or any U.S. attorney can indict a president and then take it up with the attorney general and he can reverse course. That's not what those memos say, and that's not what history says. That's not what history says. They separate impeachment from indictment. Now, I want you to think this through, and there's more to this. I want to get into this, another phase of this, but you're smart, so I want you to think along with me. And by the way, every book signing I do, people come up to me and they say, when you say are people getting bored, no, we want you to dig deeply, so I'm going to do it. Would it make sense, ladies and gentlemen, that the framers of the Constitution would leave it to a single assistant United States attorney with a lapdog grand jury to determine whether or not a president should be criminally indicted and yet withhold that power from the United States House of Representatives? There were no U.S. attorneys. There were no assistant U.S. attorneys. There was no attorney general. There was no Department of Justice. There isn't any of that stuff in the Constitution. So do you think that the framers of the Constitution somehow would have authorized Robert Mueller to indict a sitting president of the United States while withholding that power from the House of Representatives? Of course not. Of course not. And so you have to fit this like a jigsaw puzzle. So... We now have a Department of Justice. We now have United States attorneys. We now have assistant United States attorneys. Now, unfortunately, special counsel from time to time. Fine. But you still have to give support for and be faithful to the constitutional structure. These are an attack on the constitutional structures laid out in the Constitution. So to say that one of these individuals with a lapdog grand jury can bring an indictment against a president of the United States to cripple him, or a secret indictment that would leak out to cripple him, or to get an indictment and imprison him to cripple the entire executive branch when the framers of the Constitution denied such a power for a president in office to the House of Representatives is absurd. There's absolutely no history whatsoever or logic whatsoever to support that position. But I've been hearing it for two damn weeks. On and on and on. It's a lie. It's a damnable lie. Now let's go on. And he says this, does Raul Berger, great Yale professor, a decent regard for the design of the founders, a resolve to avoid the excesses which forever stigmatized the Johnson trial. He's talking about President Andrew Johnson. They wanted to remove him from office for basically political reasons. He was a Democrat from Tennessee, had been a senator, and was the vice president under Abraham Lincoln, obviously ascended to the presidency when he was assassinated. And the Republicans were furious about him. Now, there were some issues with him. I mean, he drank very heavily, and he refused. He refused to allow Congress to remove members of his own cabinet. Now, you might say, well, of course they can't. Well, back then, there was some debate, and he said, no, they can't. It'll destroy the presidency, and it'll destroy the executive branch, and the ability of a president to have confidences. 
very much like what Congress is doing now, demanding the right to to speak to the president's White House counsel, uh, former White House counsel, and have access to the individuals and documents. Johnson objected in his own case, as our president objects in his own case. If there are indeed limits to the impeachment power, he says, the Senate may no more act in excess of those limits when it acts judicially than when it acts legislatively. What he's saying is the House and the Senate don't have plenary power. It's not simply a political question. Another damnable lie that's out there day in and day out by these phony legal analysts. He's saying there's language in the Constitution. It's confining, not expanding. It's confining. Every branch of government, he writes, is confined to the limits drawn in the Constitution. And the chief purpose of those limits was to fence in the much-feared legislative branch. It was not left to the unlimited discretion of that branch to disrupt the other branches through resort to the impeachment power. In other words, the House has the power to impeach not just a president, not just a vice president, not just senior presidential officials, but members of the judiciary. And he said, it's not simply a political question, although it could unfortunately devolve into that, but that would be in violation of the limits placed by the provision of the impeachment clause on the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. Now, tell me, ladies and gentlemen, how many of these nitwit legal analysts on cable and on network news have explained this to you? Not one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Levinites, does anybody else know why? Why the judge? Trump appointee, may I say. And I'm proud of it. An originalist. Does anybody else know why the judge also knocked down this challenge by the House of Representatives to the National Emergencies Act of 1976? Anybody? Aren't there two chambers in the Congress, Mr. Producer? The House and the Senate. Did the Senate sue the President of the United States? No, the Senate did not. So Congress, per se did not sue the President of the United States. One branch did. 
So not only is it a political question, but you can't have one branch of Congress suing the president to stop him from spending money when the other branch that is also involved or the other chamber that is also involved in approving that spending withholds its opposition. Wow. Can you imagine? I'm sure Jeffrey Tubin on CNN will be all over this. I'm sure uh, Dan Abrams and his hairpiece will be all over this, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. All the legal analysts. Ooh. I want to thank the folks at Costco. They really have stepped up now. They've actually ordered thousands and thousands of more books. So they're plentiful. They're stocked. They're on that table they have there. So the next time you're in Costco, um, if you haven't acquired a copy of the book, I hope you will. I want to thank Barnes & Noble. We had a wonderful time Saturday. Just beautifully done. Uh, Outstanding. I want to thank, ready? Amazon.com. They have a huge supply of books. They have pushed them out as fast as they possibly can. You go on there, you click, you can get them tomorrow. They're doing a great job by us. And all the other outlets, all the other outlets, Walmart and Target, BJ's and Sam's. I know I'll miss one, unfortunately. But they've all been terrific. All the independent bookstores, too. There are new books coming out tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. So in order to remain on top and to continue to drive the journalism professors, the media outlets, particularly the New York Slimes nuts, if you haven't bought the book yet, please do Father's Day. Father's Day is very, very close. Grab your copy now. It's well discounted because it's the top book in the country. Unfreedom of the Press. Be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know what? I'm in the mood for a... Fried fish sandwich on like a Kaiser roll with cocktail sauce, maybe some lettuce. Do you like that sort of stuff? Uh, Mr. Producer does not. You know what that means? More for me. Anyway, 50 House Democrats and one lone Republican are now calling for Trump's impeachment. But Nancy Pelosi's keeping her powder dry as public opinion is against it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 50 House Democrats and one Republican. By my calculation, that's 51 members of the House. So I did a little math, and I deducted 51 from 435. At least that's the number of members that are supposed to be in the House of Representatives. And I came up with 384. So I'm thinking to myself, shouldn't the headline be 384 members of the House Oppose Donald Trump's impeachment? Isn't that the headline? Despite all the impeachment talk, despite all the 
The conga line of miscreants and malcontents. Left wing radical kooks, one and all. Being dragged through the Sunday shows. And by the way, all these Sunday hosts, don't they sound the same? You want to impeach the impeach, impeach, impeach. It's clearly a minority position. 51 out of 435, by my calculation, that's 384 saying no. The majority of Americans, not just Republicans, say no. And yet there it is every damn day. Impeachment, 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 impeachment. Driven by the media. What was that idiot professor's name? Wasn't even a full professor. The assistant professor that wrote for the Washington Compost. Will you look his name up again? I forget his name. I want to mock him the entire week, if I may. This is the Daily Mail of the United Kingdom. Nancy Pelosi's facing a dilemma with scores of her Democratic caucus wanting to impeach and outside groups lobbying for it. The latest headcount is 50 Democrats and one Republican, but she's sticking with her plans for a more measured, ironclad investigation that makes choices clear to... What's his name? Kevin Lerner. Moron. Pay attention. I'm educating you. One day you might become a real professor rather than an assistant professor. It's like an assistant, you know... Dog catcher, an assistant lawyer, an assistant doctor, an assistant tax driver. And it's embarrassing to be Kevin Lerner, whatever his name is. The latest member of Congress to call for impeachment is Greg Stanton. You know, not Greg Stanton. Greg, who the hell is he? Nobody knows. A freshman from Arizona who said it's the right thing to do. Genius. Genius. He must have been writing uh, those little slips of paper for fortune cookies before he got elected to the House. Opinion polling does not favor impeachment. A full-blown but failed effort might help the president win re-election. Now, just stick with me, folks. What's going on here, again and again, I want to repeat, is a propaganda effort. The reason for these subpoenas is to create the impression that the president of the United States is violating the Constitution because he won't give in to the House of Representatives. But he's challenging them in what we call federal court. And so he's not defying anyone or anything. There's a dispute. I don't know. He's obstructing. Every time he fails to answer one of our grand subpoenas, he's obstruct. Uh, Shut up and sit down, Nadler. Oh, you are. Nadler is as wide as he is tall. Have you noticed that, Mr. Bidus? And I say that with great admiration as being chairman of... Fatties United or FU. And keep in mind, this guy's already had the surgery. What, what the, the, the belt, the red, whatever it is. The lap band. What they should have done is sewed his mouth shut. That could have served multiple purposes. Outside liberal groups say it's time to. Well, God knows it's the outside liberal groups that run the country, right? Whatever they say matters. So 51 members of the House, a minority. And outside liberal groups and the media want Trump impeached, but the American people don't. Well, we're going to force it on them. And if we can't drive down his ratings, we'll drive him out of office. We'll kill him on his reelection. I won't bore you to death, but that's just how we call this propaganda. On top of a pseudo event. Mark, Mark, well, you're getting carried away. No, I'm not. This isn't news. It's not news. 51 members. After all this time, after all these investigations, after all this crap from the media, 
Impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. Oh, the I-word, the I-word, the I-word, the I-word. Everywhere, headlines on impeachment. This one, every backbencher announces for impeachment. All of a sudden, wow. That's some... That's some courageous member. Justin Amash, they hated this guy. He's a liberal... Ah, Justin Amash, what an idiot. What an idiot. I think Trump should be a... Oh, my God, there's a principled man. He's consistent. We've never seen anything like Justin Amash. Where are all the other Republicans? The dim-witted Chuck... Hey, hey, what are we just left with, two? You know, Mr. Omni, you criticize Trump, then there's Justin Amash. Where's everybody else? Why don't they agree with me? It's time to impeach. Time to... Shut up, Chuck. No, no, he's a newsman. You don't understand, Chuck Todd is. He's a newsman. Just ask him. No, no standards left. No standards left at all. Let me ask you a question. I don't remember if I asked it on this show or not, but I'm going to ask it again. When is the last time there's been a leak to the New York Times that has been supportive of the president of the United States. I can't think of any, can you? When's when's the last time there was a leak to CNN that was critical of Nancy Pelosi? If they're out there, they're so rare, I can't remember them. Can you? When was the last time? Or the first time? the, The New York Times has done a story about the Pelosi family finances and how they became extremely wealthy, worth about $100 million. How did this happen? Do they not care? I don't think they care. How about her children? We know all about Donald Trump's children. Nancy Pelosi has five children. I don't even know their names, do you? I don't know if they're male, female, female, transitioning. I don't know a damn thing about them, do you? Let alone their finances. Information starts to come out slowly, but there'll be more in the future, about Hunter Biden. He's a multimillionaire. What has he done? He's as dumb as his father. Dumb as his father. I guess he's a foreign agent. He's been working with the Ukrainians or something like that. We'll get into this. Just a matter of time. So Rudy Giuliani says, you know, I'm going to go to the Ukraine. I want to look at it. What are you? Oh, my God. What what are you trying to do here? You can't go after the vice president's son, the former vice president. What are you you trying to do? That's no good. What what are you trying to do? Dig up dirt? What are you trying to do? Deflect attention from Trump? What are you trying? Incredible, isn't it? You guys are partisan in the media. What are you trying to do? Attack freedom of the, uh, the press? No, we want to know about Hunter Biden. We want to know how he made millions and millions with his foreign contact. Then there's Diane Frankenfeinstein. Really, the only effort to unravel what she and her husband have been doing with Red China for decades, in some cases, have been left-wing news outlets. Left-wing news outlets. Uh, but the Washington Compost could give a damn. The New York Slimes could give a damn. CNN, MSLSD, you know, they're all dancing. The, they're, they're the Rockettes. They all dance the same way. Left leg up, left leg up, right leg up, right leg up, this way. Turn that way. They all do the same thing. 
she has a spy driving her car, driving her in the car for years and years and years. She doesn't know it. But don't worry. Not once when she was being driven around. Now think about that. Woman of the people being driven around by a Chinese spy. Not once did she ever say anything out of school that the Chinese could use. Now, how do you know that? Well, she told us. That's how you know. Anybody want to investigate that? No. No, can't investigate that. That's Diane Frankenfeinstein. Where's that clan at the Associated Depressed? Lemire, whatever his name is. Jonathan. Johnny. Where is Johnny these days? No, he's busy calling the president a racist and based on oh, the word nasty. You know, you know, when the president used the word nasty and he, he dared to talk about the princess, what's her face over there in the uh, in England, uh, who has some African-American heritage. Obviously, he was attacking all African-Americans. He likes to do that, you know. And Muslims, may I add Muslims? That's the associated depressed. Something very odd happened over the weekend, too. And I'm, I'm going to touch it. I'm going to be very careful because there are people who will twist what I say. And on the left, they're out to destroy anybody who disagrees with them. We had 12 people who were slaughtered in Virginia Beach. Slaughtered of all races, just beautiful people. They show the photos of these people. And whenever I hear about murder or death, whether it's one person, I wonder what was going through that person's mind. If somebody's tortured before they're killed or they're raped before they're killed or they know they're going to be killed or they see someone else killed and know they're next to line. It, it is a it, it, it is unspeakable. It's absolutely unspeakable. And I want to know who did it. I want to know their name and I want to see their face. I want to know who did it. I'm not saying for publicity purposes, quite the opposite. These are evil, inhumane people. They're the devil. And I'm really, I'm watching one of these morning shows and they say, we're not showing this person because we think. And it's one of these liberal morning shows. I forget today's show, uh, good morning, America, good night tomorrow. I don't remember. So we need to stop showing these people because of the publicity they get. And And I said, I want to see this. So the New York Post has a photo of the person. I, I didn't see it in many other places, not that I was looking, but I didn't see it on TV, but I, the New York Post has a photo. And I said, why didn't you show the photo of this guy? He's a mass murderer. He deserves to be hated. Everybody should know what he looks like. Not because of race, not because of gender, not because of age, not because of anything else, because that's the face of evil. Just like that that punk who went into that black church in South Carolina and shot those parishioners who were sitting right in front of him. I wanted to see his face. I wanted to know what he looked like. Just like the mass killers on 9-11, I wanted to see their faces. I wanted to know what they looked like. I don't want it to be in my imagination, in the ether. I want to know who they are. Again, not for religious reasons or gender reasons or 
race reason. I want to know who that specific individual is. I'm going to look in their eyes. But the media made it very, very difficult to do that this week. Because the media always have an agenda. Always. Not news, not facts, an agenda. And I take a position different than most people in broadcasting. I want to see every one of these killers. Not celebrate them. Not use them to push the gun control agenda and the usual left-wing crap. No. Because they took fellow human beings who will never be back again. Not to celebrate them. To hate them. To spit on them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Washington Examiner Alana Goodman. Kamala Harris launched political career with a $120,000 patronage job from boyfriend Willie Brown. This caught my attention. Not Kamala. Kamala Harris's first significant political role was an appointment by her powerful then boyfriend Willie Brown. Three decades her senior. Let's see. Oh, 30 years to a California medical board that has been criticized as a landing spot for patronage jobs and kickbacks. Then only 30 years old, Harris was dating 60-year-old Willie Brown at the time the Democratic Speaker of the California State Assembly when he placed her on the California Medical Assistance Commission in 1994. The position paid over 70000 per year, which would be 120700 in current money, and Harris served on the board until 1998, four years. The Medical Commission met twice a month, and Harris, a United States Senator from California since 2017, and now a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, missed about 20% of the meetings each year, according to the commission records obtained by the Washington Examiner. The seven-member board was largely comprised of late-career former state officials who were semi-retired or biding time before retirement. At 30 years old, Harris was the youngest appointee for some three decades. Harris, now 54, and Brown, now 85, started dating in the spring of 1994, and he was married, by the way, showing up arm-in-arm at numerous high-profile functions, including Brown's lavish parties and celebrity galas. He's been separated but not divorced from his wife, Blanche Fatiro, since the 1980s, and has maintained a string of girlfriends over the years. That June of 1994, Harris took a leave of... Am I allowed to read this? Am I allowed to talk about Kamala Harris? I think I will. That June of 1994, Harris took a leave of absence from her job as deputy prosecutor at the district attorney's office in Alameda County, where she'd worked for four years after graduating from law school. Brown appointed her to the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board, a position that paid $97,000 annually, be the equivalent of $167,000 today. Five months later, Harris resigned from the insurance board. Brown immediately appointed her to the California Medical Assistance Commission. I'm sure it was because she was so highly qualified, Mr. Producer. Her broad background in medical matters, and before that, her broad background in insurance matters, of course. A genius 30-year-old happened to be dating 
Mr. Brown. Brown, in a letter to Harris, wrote that he was pleased to appoint her to the board. She oversaw the payment of insurance premiums uh, for state-subsidized Medi-Cal recipients. I am confident that your knowledge and experience will contribute significantly to the important work of the commission, he wrote. Now, she had no medical background, according to a copy of her resume that she submitted to Brown at the time. Her experience consisted of four years as a deputy prosecutor, a handful of summer jobs and internships, and a volunteer position in a hospital fundraising group. Wow. Look how she got her start. Climbed her way up the ladder, Mr. Producer. Based on merit. Based on merit. No wonder half of these politicians, more of them, don't believe in merit in order to come here as an alien. Because most of them didn't exactly climb the ladder of merit, now did they? Certainly Kamala didn't. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. They can clone the others, but there's only one, Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. You know, Medicare is a popular health insurance program that covers medical costs for seniors in the private health care system. When Democrats talk about Medicare for all, they want you to believe they are talking about the same program applied to everyone. They're lying. That's what they do. Because Medicare for all is not Medicare. And it doesn't work anything like Medicare. I know. I've told you this before, but it's important. Medicare for all actually eliminates all Medicare for all seniors. And not just Medicare. It eliminates all private insurance plans for all Americans. Period. Everyone will be thrown into a Soviet-style, one-size-fits-all, government-run healthcare system. Controlled by unseen bureaucrats who will determine what kind of care you'll get. And you can make all the phone calls and send all the emails and texts you want. It won't matter. But this will result in lower quality for everyone. Services will be rationed with long waiting periods for treatment. Make it worse, the government will implement drug price controls that will limit access to life-saving medicines and hurt any hope for medical innovation. Unless you are a member of Congress, of course, because what do they do? They exempt themselves. They exempt themselves from what they pass for the rest of us. So remember, Medicare for all isn't Medicare at all. Get the facts. 
Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. I don't know how I missed this. The Guardian. Now, The Guardian is supposed to be a newspaper in Britain. You know, they like their French fries and fried fish in Britain. Call it fish and chips. And there's no paper better to wrap oily, leaking fish and chips and all the grease than The Guardian. It's a left-wing kook newspaper. And so imagine my surprise when they attack me. Unfreedom of the Press Review, Mark Levin's Trumpist take on the First Amendment. Now, you know the guy didn't read the book, but let's go on. America's distrust of the media is only exceeded by its disdain for Congress. Mark Levin's latest book won't do much to rehabilitate journalism, but it should cement his standing among Trump's go-to guys. Now, let's stop right there. Mr. Producer, you've read the book, right? I don't even get to Trump till the end of the book, do I, for the most part? It's a while in. So he skips the first chapter, the second chapter, the third chapter, the fourth chapter. Definitely chapter six about the New York Times. That's what these fools are all about. But let's continue. A radio talk show host and a recipient of conservative largesse. Now, doesn't talk about my education background. Doesn't talk about my career as a lawyer. Doesn't talk about none of it. A conservative, recipient of conservative largesse. Levin served in the Justice Department under Reagan in, 19, in 2016, Republican primary backed Ted Cruz, was a never-Trumper until he wasn't. I was a never-Trumper for about one day over Roger Stone, wasn't I, Mr. Purdue? All I have to do is listen to my radio shows. I'm not hiding a damn thing. What is it? For a day, right? Less than a day. You, you, you can just listen to my radio shows. They're all out there. I am more transparent than anyone I know. But let's continue. He's since embraced, not since, I've embraced this president for a long time. The passion of a penitent and the conviction of a convert. So far, have you learned anything about the book? Nothing. Nothing. This is why this form of media has a death sentence on itself. That's why it's destroying itself. Trump recently appeared on Levin's program, this is on the radio show, where the president explained his reaction to the white supremacist march in Charlottesville in August 2017, in which a counter-protester was killed. Quote, I actually said it every way you can say it, but I said you had bad people in both groups, and I said you had good people in both groups. If Heather Heyer were still alive, she would surely beg to differ. See, there again, he's a liar. Trump said much more than that. And I was very specific, and he elaborated, and I was specific again, and he elaborated. But it's the Guardian. Unfreedom of the press is a nonstop attack on the mainstream media, and a running indictment of a century of progressive politics. That's for damn sure. In Levin's words, his book is about how those entrusted with news reporting in the modern media are destroying freedom of the press from within. Not government oppression or suppression, not Donald Trump's finger pointing. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, let me see here. I think that's the first sentence of the book. (laughs) Hold on here. I don't think this guy got much further. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he took that out of the first sentence of the introduction of the book. This guy's a real sharpie, isn't he? 
Who cares if Trump calls the press the enemy of the people? I spent a lot of time on that issue. And this guy didn't read it. Majority Republicans embrace this proposition. No, they don't. That's one poll that was very biased. Again, I undressed this in the book. Almost two-thirds of their fellow Americans disagree. Unfreedom of the press attempts to bestow a patina of respectability on their darker impulses. Not in the least. The book is about the press. As to be expected, Levin ignores Trump's often repeated attack on existing libel laws, exacerbated by Bob Woodward's fear, the president's empty threat to enjoin the publication of Michael Wolff's Fire and Fury, and his praise of using the media as a literal tackling dummy. Now, here's what I say in the book, dummy. You can say what you want about what the president says about the press. But you need some context about what presidents have done to the press, including your great Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. And I might add what the press has done to this president. Oh, the president calls calls certain outlets enemies of the people. Well, they call him Hitler. Has he called any publisher Hitler? Has he called any journalist Hitler? Has he called any editorial writer Hitler? Levin neglects to mention that Montana's Greg Giafonte body slammed the former Guardian reporter Ben Jacobs and was congratulated by Trump for doing so. This guy misses the entire point of the book. It's not about cherry picking. It's a bigger issue. It's a broader issue. It's a it's an issue that has extended over decades. But he can't help it. Unfreedom of the press is not exactly fan fiction, but it can get ahead of itself when discussing the special counsel's conclusions, ending up sounding like the fake news the author and Trump both purport to abhor. Where did I do that? Nowhere. Among other things, Levin has jettisoned any journalistic skepticism surrounding... First of all, I'm not a journalist. If I were, I'd resign from the phony profession today. It has no standards. I'm a constitutional conservative. It's hard to be a constitutional conservative today and work for most of the media outlets. He has jettisoned any journalistic skepticism surrounding the Attorney General Bill Barr's non-summary. Okay, so it goes on. So let me ask you folks a question. What's his beef, basically? What's his beef? His beef is that I don't agree with him, that I'm not a leftist. That's what his beef is. For good measure, Levin also takes pot shots at Alexander Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway hit about the founding father. Levin writes of Hamilton undercutting George Washington and acting in tandem with England. He has forgotten, I love WikiLeaks. What? What is he talking about? Still, Levin, his critique of the press in the Obama administration should not be ignored. Oh, wow. Then he goes into some studies. Ah, there we go. Go. All right. I'm going to post this so you can read it yourself, so you can see what what a conflicted individual this is and how unserious he is. Those of you who have the book and read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. He misses the entire purpose of the book, and I even put it in the introduction. But I want you to remember this. This book's not written for Lloyd Green, a fraud. 
It's not written for national pubic radio. Frauds. It's not written for the Washington Compost. Frauds. It's written for you. It's written for you. It's the smartest book that Lloyd Green has ever read, or at least page through, I should say. Because I don't believe he's read it. I don't know how you write this long essay that he writes in The Guardian, this long essay. I'm still looking down. Long essay. Oh, here we are. Oh, long essay. Still looking. I'm looking, looking, and skips chapter six. You believe that, Mr. Producer? He, he doesn't need it, right? He skips the entire chapter on the New York Times. Yeah, why does he do that? And why does he skip so much of the rest of the book? He's out of space? No. It's out of his mind. Is he not the third reviewer? The lady at NPR included, I think, three sentences on chapter six. I believe it's the longest chapter in the book. The Guardian has no chapter. Of course, their hate for Israel is well known. And the Washington Compost writer barely touched it. The fact that the New York Times, you know, covered up the Holocaust, the fact that the New York Times was in in bed effectively, propaganda-wise, with Stalin during his uh, slaughter of the Ukrainian. And we're going to skip over that stuff. And I would add, Lloyd Grove, if that is your name, how come you missed something that recently occurred when the New York Times ran two anti-Semitic cartoons not so long ago? How did you miss that? How did you miss that? Huh? Groupthink, pal. That's how you missed it. Because you agree with them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm sure... uh, All of our public schools from sea to shining sea, all of our colleges and universities will be teaching D-Day, particularly this Thursday, and the greatness of America. I'm sure they'll be doing this. All these professors they, they bring on CNN and MSNBC, I'm sure they're going to be praising America in D-Day, talking about the events that took place that day and the consequences for the world. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be very patriotic in our, all of our public schools and colleges and universities. Now, I understand that we're not going to be giving away free stuff. I understand we're not going to be promoting socialism. I understand we're not going to be talking about America. It's founding as a bunch of racist slaveholders. I understand all that. No, that day... We're going to talk up America, right? No, I'm afraid we won't. Instead, it'll still be... Saw another article, this guy, Michael Bennett, going on about Kaepernick, that, you know, the problem is it's a racist thing or racial thing that only players of color were taking a knee and white players weren't. And if more white players would, then, you know, then white people would get into it. I I don't know. Uh, Do you see the world that way, Mr. Producer? If white people are taking a knee, they disgust me as much as anybody else. Not because of their race. God almighty, this is... Do you wish that double chin would just disappear, Mr. Producer? 
Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, people look at your jawline. It simply tells your age, right? Well, here's Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put Genocell jawline cream on my neck two or three days ago. This is the best my neck has looked in 20 years. People told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. Well, with Chaminade's MDL technology, Genocell's brand new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin on the neck area for tight, healthy, younger skin. Now, you'll see your mirror smile back at you or 100% of your money back, no questions asked. What did he say? Hello. 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Call now and the classic Genesaw for bags and puffiness is free with your order. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesaw immediate effects is also yours free. No double chin, no turkey neck, no sagging jawline because no one needs to know your age. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free shipping now. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Rolling Thunder Chief. He's not a Native American. That's the, that's a Rolling Thunder Chief predicts biker descent on D.C. if Dems impeach Trump. Let me tell you, this is no joke. This is no joke. The media are not paying attention to regular Americans as opposed to the irregular Americans. Rolling Thunder predicts biker descent on D.C. if Dems impeach Trump. It's not just going to be the bikers, although God bless them. It's going to be patriotic Americans of all stripes, of all walks, of all backgrounds, of all careers, of all jobs. I've seen them with my own two eyes. I've seen you. You've shown up in my book signings by the thousands, thousands. It's been missed. We have more people coming to book signings than Joe Biden has, is coming to his rallies. In the first book signing in New Jersey... Over 2,000 people. The second book signing, this time in New York, over 2,000 people. Book signing in Virginia, over 2,000 people. And they're missing it. They don't even see it. And they don't care. And that's where we get them. They underestimate us every single time. And even those these sleazeballs write these phony book reviews. They don't get it either. They don't get it either. They try to tear me down, tear you down, tear down the book. There's no tearing down. The book's in black and white for everybody to read. We don't need book reviewers to tell us what to believe. We read it ourselves. We don't need CNN to tell us what the news is. We can gather the news ourselves these days. We don't need leftists on these networks, MSNBC and all that, to tell us what to think. We, we're, we're not stupid like their base. They play to the Democrat base. That's what the media are today. Over and over again, the same Russia collusion, Russia collusion. Polly want a cracker. We think for ourselves. This is the great thing about You know, George Will has a new book coming out tomorrow. He was on our brother uh, Drudge's page for a couple of days. He's been celebrated by uh, Sunday morning CBS, which I guess airs Sunday morning. He's got New York Times, but all kinds of book reviews. 
He wrote a book that's basically the book I wrote before this book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. No, 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 I'm not saying he plagiarized. I'm just saying it's the same arguments, the same thought processes, going back to our early history and seeing what's happened today, tracing it and going forward. Not against it. God bless him. God bless him. But here's my point. Despite all the press they get on television networks, I'm not talking about cable like Fox, television networks, despite all the push they get from the New York Times, despite all the positive media they get from the Democrat Party press, you, you are bigger than all that. It's got to be driving them nuts. You are incredible. It, it is amazing. They have no idea how many of you are. They have no idea how energetic and motivated you are. They pretend you're not smart when you're smarter than the people who are talking down to you. It's incredible. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Former Representative John Delaney is a liberal. He's a Democrat. He's a liberal. But he's not a socialist. He was a wealthy businessman before he was elected to the House of Representatives out of Maryland. Matter of fact, our buddy Dan Bongino ran against him and almost beat him, as I recall. But he's not on the hard left wing of the Democrat Party, which is where most of them are. And uh, he was at the California Democratic Convention yesterday. And he was booed out of the place, basically. Cut eight, go. But we need, as Democrats, to build an economy that works. But it's got to be with smart policies. Medicare for all may sound good. But it's actually not good policy, nor is it good policy.
We cut it off, but it went on. Now, for all those purple and bluish states that are saying, you know what? We want to get rid of the Electoral College and we want to go with the national popular vote. As California goes, so goes the country. All those booing people, left wing kook Democrats from California. And he kept saying, hey, look, I want universal health. I want universal health. I want you. I just don't want to kick 150 million people off their health. Boo! These are the drones of society. The drones of society. The Democrats and the media have so stoked up the drones of society, the miscreants and malcontents, that they are now the tail that wagged the dog. They're the tail that wagged the dog. So AOC, she says... He should pull out of the race. He should pull out of the race. I don't agree with him, so he should get out. And so Delaney said, you know what, I'll challenge you to a debate. But that'll never happen because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a coward and dumb as hell. A coward and dumb as hell. She'll not debate him. She won't debate me on any form, at any form. My radio show, Levin TV, Life, Liberty, and Levin, whatever. But she won't. She's a coward and a nitwit. Don't underestimate her. How can you underestimate her? To underestimate her is to have a triple negative IQ. Now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, AAH, was at a bar in New York Friday. Surprise! Compares tipping workers to indentured servitude because she's so well-schooled in history. Knows all about indentured slaves. Oh, genius. Wonder where she'll be on Thursday, the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Where will she be? Who cares? Cut nine, go. When we talk about the need for a fair wage, it is so real, the amount of exploitation and harassment and, and labor violations that you will endure for the sake and the structure of tipped work. In, in the federal tipped minimum wage is $2.13 an hour. That is unacceptable. You know what, Mr. Producer? Listening to her squeal on, you know what that makes me think? We should see her tax returns. Do you think she reported her tips? Hold on now. Wasn't she a bartender? She was a bartender. And by the way, can you imagine the people sitting in that bar having to listen to her? And you know what? Democratic socialist, just give me my vodka. Make it a double, please. Uh, I am demanding to see Alexandria Casagorda Aox tax returns. She's 29. For the last 10 years, 
Did she pay a federal income tax or in New York, as well as a state income tax or in New York, as well as a city income tax on her tips? Yes or no? America. Hello. 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 Oh, the media. Okay. Whatever. Well, whatever. We're busy chasing Justin Amash now. He's, he's the greatest thing we've had. Justin. What's going on with the Steve Crowder thing, Mr. Producer? Will people understand it if I play it? Yeah, well, you know, he's such... This guy uh, at the Vox, Carlos Maza, is a real putz. So I won't waste your time with that, folks. But I will waste your time with Michael Wolf. This guy's hawking a, another book filled with lies. Do you know he sold like three, four, five million copies of his prior book? And people are saying, I never told that. I never told him that. I never said, I never told him. I never said, I never told him. I never said, four or five million. Because you heard the booers against this guy. They want to believe. Hey, don't interfere with our fantasy land here. Yeah, don't interfere with our fantasy land here. We went free this, free that. I don't want to work. I want equality. Anyway, uh, Michael Wolf was on National Pubic Radio today. I've never been invited on National Pubic Radio to talk about my book. I'm just, I'm not jealous. I'm just pointing it out. I don't even want to. I don't even think they should exist. I'm just saying. Where's my invite? Oh, some Pally group, Pally Foundation, Pally Committee, uh, the Pally Committee for the uh, Freedom of what? Uh, they're having an event in New York. I believe it's late summer, early fall. And I was actually quite curious and even uh, intrigued by this. And then I read who's going to be on the panel, among other things, Media Matters. And I said, that's not a media group. They're trying to destroy Fox and destroy hosts on radio and on Fox. Why would I sit down with these, uh, with these poisonous snakes? With this criminal front group. So Michael Wolf on NPR today. Cut 11, go. What do people who have spent a lot of time close to the president think of him? They think he is vile and ludicrous. Ludicrous? Ludicrous. What do you mean by that word? I mean, there's no logic to what he does. There's no way to anticipate what he's going to do. Often what he ends up doing defies logic, defies everybody's expectations, defies explanation. This guy's an idiot. Absolute idiot. Yes, there's no logic to what he does. Is that the way it seems to you, folks? There's no way to anticipate what he does or he's going to do. Often what he ends up doing defies logic, defies everyone's expectation, defies. He likes the word defy. Have you notice that? And what a questioner, Stephen Inskeep over at NPR. Wow. What do, let's start. Let, this is how to conduct an interview. Let's start at the beginning. Cut 11. Go. What do people who have spent a lot of time close to the president think of him? Now, everybody knows this guy's a fraud, and everybody knows this book is full of fiction, and yet NPR brings him on. Me, they attack with a hack from the New York Times, which we've unraveled her, but that's not the point. They give this guy government-paid-for, government-subsidized airtime because they want to. 
This is what the media do. Like they brought on the uh, the professor from Yale. You know, president is on here. Show. You know, he's got his IQ. I wouldn't put him near the button. I wouldn't. Have you ever talked? I never talked to him, but I've observed him from afar, and I can tell you my uh, extraordinary expertise and talent that uh, there's something he's uh, there's something wrong. And so I would encourage people to trigger the Twenty Fifth Amendment. She was all over the place, professor. My goodness, the professor, professor. It's like a porn star. She said, I don't even know if she's a porn star. It's a porn actress. Stormy Daniels. Has a, a porn actress ever received so much mainstream media attention? No. Why? Why? Because it's about destroying Trump. Michael Abenati. Take the lowest of low lives. There he is. Even Stormy Daniels thinks he's a low life. I mean, what does that tell you? He even stole from a porn actress. What does that tell you? Yes. He was performing for the porn actress in many ways as a fraud lawyer. You know what? This guy would be a good president, they say over at CNN. He'd be be tough. He'd be a tough one. He really would. He'd be incredible. Over at MSNBC. Can you come on today? Can you come on today? We want you on this show. Chris wants you. uh, Rachel wants you. uh, Four days, uh, four times a day. Uh, Come on. Come on. You're very bad. Sickening. And now we have, again, Michael Wolf for a second. For a second round. The question Stevens keep should have been, aren't you a serial liar? Haven't you made millions lying to Americans? He said, I'm not your traditional reporter, you know. Well, that's for sure. What are you? Well, I don't have to have uh, sources backed up the way they do. Well, don't worry. They don't either. They don't either. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. It's a guy by the name of Seth Moulton. He served in the military, and he's a leftist. So what that means is he can say whatever he wants. You see, if you serve in the military and you're conservative, they can still trash you. But if you served in the military and you're a leftist, how dare you question him? Well, well now he's a politician. He wants my vote. Can I? No, no, you can't. You know what? I, I have to say something else. I'm not looking for trouble in any way. I'm not looking to be provocative. I don't go that way. This John McGain stuff has gotten out of control. I am not sitting as a special pleader for everything that is said about John McCain, and therefore it's okay. But I have to say that when John McCain sent his staffer over to Britain, they get a copy of this dossier that was paid for by Hillary Clinton that was used by a British former spy pulled together with the assistance of Russians, unverified, not vetted, for the purpose of destroying a candidate for president of the United States of his own party, has that information brought to him and then has it shared with the FBI That's pretty damn outrageous. And the idea that we're not allowed to talk about these things is also outrageous. There are many great men and women who have passed. 
about whom we can talk, their actions about which we can talk. You can see why this president is furious with what McCain did. And he holds a grudge. That's who he is. But he also gave the authority of the United States military as commander-in-chief for that week-long goodbye to Senator McCain and all the various events and so forth. It was very gracious of him because senators don't normally get that kind of uh, send-off, if you will. But he's obviously very angry about that. And I have to say, I'm very angry about the fact that the senator at the time voted no on the repeal of Obamacare. That effect, affects my life, my children's life, and my grandchildren's life as it does all of yours. So he has a very, very mixed record, historically. I'm not talking about military record. He was a politician for decade after decade after decade. And it's all fair game. And I'm not defending disrespect and that sort of thing. What I'm saying is, whether it was the send-off for a week, which was a Trump-bashing event time and time again, that is unacceptable too. But the media don't treat it as such. I'm not one of these who believes that the media and the left and others, rhinos, get to tell us what we can and cannot discuss. Again, this isn't a full-throated defense of anyone or anything. But McCain had a very, very mixed record as a senator. And in some cases, in my view, a very poor record. And I even believe his, his positions on constant intervention overseas and various military campaigns was ir- utterly irresponsible. And I'm no code pink Republican. I am no code pink Republican. I believe his campaigns in Arizona when he would run as a hardliner on the border and then he would come to Washington, D.C. and cut these deals with Schumer and everything was, to put it mildly, very inappropriate to the people of Arizona. And yet his general support for the military is to be saluted. Is to be saluted. And his general support for ethics and government is to be saluted. But he's not God. He's not a saint. He never was. He's a man, flesh and blood, like the rest of us, or as some of you wish to be, or a female, or whatever. And so, no matter how my words are twisted, you can play them back and listen yourself. But what he did to President Trump with the dossier was absolutely wrong. It was an attempt at a political kill shot. And he wasn't the only one. There were others. The Clinton campaign, the DNC, senior level of the FBI, and we can go on and on and on. Pretty damn outrageous. So circling back to Seth Moulton, I don't know this guy. I know a little bit about his background because I Googled and looked. He's a fairly recent member of the House of Representatives. And I want you to listen to what he he has to say. Uh, And it really, you served in the military, sir? And congratulations for that and thank you for that. But as a politician, you're real, really uh, disgraceful. Cut seven, go. We have a problem with racism in America today. 
if this country wasn't racist, Stacey Abrams would be governor. Because people of color are being systemically denied the most basic right in a democracy, which is the right to vote. That's why we need a new Voting Rights Act in America. You see, let, let, me, let me tell you how bad this is. To keep tearing at the country's fiber like this with these loathsome lies, loathsome lies based on race, is as destructive as any enemy can be to this country. And that's what Seth Moulton just did at his CNN town hall. Absolutely disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I'm just telling you folks how blessed I am to be here and to have you out there. You are shocking the world. You're shocking the publishing world. You're shocking the media world. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. I just went on Amazon.com. Some people are obsessed with it. I am not. I'll check it. I just did. We're number three on Amazon.com. We should be number one, but we're behind Dr. Seuss and some other book. In other words, not the nonfiction books. We're leading. That's you. Publishers Weekly. We were number one. Wall Street Journalist, number one. New York Times list, number one. USA Today list, number one. Bookscan, number one. But you wouldn't know it unless you listen to me on the radio. That's the funny part. Isn't it, Mr. Producer? It's hilarious. But I want to thank you all. There's millions and millions of you out there. And I hope you're all going to get engaged. I don't mean if you're already married, get engaged. I mean get engaged on this subject. I'm telling you, it's going to open your eyes wide. Read the five-star comments on Amazon. They're amazing. They're amazing. I have nothing to do with them other than writing the book. People are reading this book in one or two sittings. They're amazing. And you can see most of the one-star just, you know, I hate Levin, Levin, you know, and the Republicans and Trump. And Don't worry about that. 97% of the comments are five-stars. It's five stars out of five stars. The last time that's happened with any of my books was Liberty and Tyranny. So those of you who have Liberty and Tyranny, you're definitely going to want unfreedom of the press. But I know who doesn't want unfreedom of the press? The modern mass media. Because they don't believe in freedom of the press. But apparently, neither do a lot of conservative columnists and some conservative websites. It's incredible. But I'm not worried about that. I'm just telling you. I know you're going to love it. I can tell by the people who show up at these book signings. It's incredible. The last one is the Reagan Library. That'll be on Saturday. And let's see. Is there anything else exciting to tell you? There's a lot exciting out there going on, really. You know, my good friends at the Media Research Center, what a wonderful organization, are planning this terrific cruise to the Mediterranean in September. And I'm going to tell you something. They're filling up very, very fast. You've, you've heard me warn you about this. There's going to be a point at which I say it's sold out. They know how to do a cruise. They know how to treat fellow conservatives. 
And that's the cruise you want to take. Go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP for all the details. Now, there's a formula for these things, and the MRC has really figured it out. Now, what does that mean? Well, it starts with great speakers. In this case, you have Brent Bozell, Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo, the Honorable James Buckley, Terry Jeffrey, and many more. This is fantastic. People who are intelligent, interesting, entertaining, leaders in their field, and people who enjoy talking with people like you. If you sign up, you'll get to have dinner with a few of them and pick their brains, too. It's an extraordinary opportunity that few people ever get. And they also pick excellent ships with great itineraries. And they really focus on making sure everyone has fun. It's not all serious. They want you to remember this for the rest of your life. It's time to take care of yourself and your spouse or your significant other. It's time to enjoy life with all the hassle, all the stress, all the static. Take a break. Now, of course, you'll be discussing serious topics, but the goal is to have fun and meet like-minded people. I guarantee you'll make new friends. And you have to do, all you have to do is go to mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. And they can answer all your questions, but you need to do it right away. That's mrccruise.com or call 888-MRC-TRIP. Now, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce this yet, but it doesn't much matter. It's my show. I'm going to be heading back to Israel. How many weeks, Mr. Producer? Three, four weeks? Four weeks. We're going to do a couple of shows from there. We're going to have tremendous guests. We're working on it right now. And the ambassador from the United States to Israel is going to have a special celebration of Independence Day, America's Independence Day there, and I wanted to participate in that, our Independence Day. But it's it's a wonderful couple of shows that we're going to do from there. We have really top guests. And when's the last time I did a show from there? Two years ago? Twenty said two years ago. So we're going to have a lot of fun doing that as well. We've got Levin TV. We have Life, Liberty, and Levin. Got a lot going on. One of these days, I'm going to take an actual vacation. One of these days. Not yet. All right. Let's take a call here. Hold on a second. Where are we? There we are. All right. uh, Mike, Pensacola, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Doing well, Mark. How about yourself tonight? Let me look. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So my comment here is about AOC, and, and she wants to call being a server an indentured server, too. Now, I'm only a year and a, about a year and a half younger than her, and I've served myself in everything. Now, either she forgot about this or she never bothered to learn it, but if you don't make enough from your hourly wage combined with your tips compared to the federal minimum wage, by law, your employer has to pay you the federal minimum wage. And I'm trying to figure out how she forgot about something like that. I didn't even know that because I'll tell you the truth. When I was a kid and I was a janitor, that law was not in place. Well, yeah, I'm not sure how long it's been around, but I, luckily I live in Florida. In Florida, we're a bit more fortunate. Our, our tip wage down here is like actually like five twelve an hour or something like that. So it's a bit more compared to the rest of the country. But, yeah, your employers have to make up that difference if you don't make uh, over the minimum wage. But, of course, they're banking on you making over that because if you're being a server... Well, tip positions. You should so you're saying one. you don't earn two bucks an hour. That's just BS. 
Yeah, well, you know, to, the way I see it is this. If you're a competent enough server, you'll make enough in tips that a 213 won't even matter. You'll, you'll make plenty, especially as a student. It's one of the, to me, for me, it was one of the better jobs I could possibly do. I, I, there's a particular restaurant I like that I will not mention, but I go there relatively frequently. And there are individuals there. They're grown adults, men and women. And they work there. And I said, you make enough money? to rent? They said, yes, with the tips. We make a very good living. And I'm talking to bartenders and servers, too. Can you make a decent living? Yeah, you know, you wouldn't be top tier, obviously, but you could certainly make enough. And it's just the way the American model works and everything. I know some people, I've even talked to some Europeans before, they appreciate our system of tipping sometimes because it encourages people to want to work better to make more money. Compared to Europe, where you get paid a set wage, I'm not sure how much it is over there, but tipping isn't exactly a common custom over there because they get paid a minimum wage. But then I heard the service is nowhere near as good as America sometimes. Now, do you have to report your tips on your income taxes? You do, and but, the but way most, it works. But let's that, be honest, most don't. True. The only the only thing that the that the computer system can track is. Tips is tips based on credit cards because it was done by a card. Now, anything with cash, if you don't want to report that, you technically don't have to, but it's actually... Okay, so so shouldn't we look at AOC's tax return? She's so hot to try it on Trump's. Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, what have we got to lose at this point, right? I think it would be enjoyable. I get a laugh out of it. I'm sure you would. I, I, I know, but she'll never come on my show and most of these other shows she's on. Mr. Producer, would you post... Maybe I have did this already. Um, will AOC release the last, let's say, six years of her federal and state income tax returns, question mark? Mike, you've inspired me. Perfect. So uh, Mike, would that. you like a uh, signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press? You know what? I would absolutely love one. Then I can ship the one I bought a couple of weeks ago over to my parents then. Well, thank you. But that's my tip to you for a great call. Okay, don't hang up. And the gentleman's a young guy. I already got a copy. Gun. That's wonderful. Brian, Baltimore, Maryland, on the Mark Levin app. This is our firefighter buddy who I met at Tyson's Corn on Saturday. How are you, sir? I'm great, Mark. Thanks uh, for taking the call. Uh, I know you're not big on tooting your own horn and that kind of thing, which is why I'm calling, just to reiterate everything that you always say when you talk about these book signings and, and the movement amongst us, us patriots. Um, I met some people, you know, you know, you say you make lifelong friends, that kind of stuff. I met some of the most incredible people who were connected through history to some of the most incredible people who are now my friends. Uh, you know, the, the one guy with the Hillary for prison shirt right behind me, we were laughing the whole time. He drove all the way from outside Pittsburgh to come there. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy in front of me, the, the retired United States Marine Corps captain, he was in OCS with Robert Mueller, uh, Chesty Puller's son, and Chesty Puller's the most famous Marine if oh, people yeah. who know Marine history. Um, he knew he knew McCain. Uh, I, were, I met a Border Patrol guy who is working in the twilight of his career in administration because he's been on the border his entire career in Texas, and he says people just don't understand what's going on. So I'm coming here for one last shot to try to change things met a woman who works for the Epic Times, the website and newspaper. She's from Romania but lives in French Canada now who wanted to come down because she knows about your show. She broke a story about China and how destructive they are to the free world and freedom. And I spoke with uh, – the weight I had to get to see you, which was the highlight of the day, of course, was nothing. I mean, it might have been hours. I don't know. Never looked at my clock. But I've talked to all these people and had the best time that I've ever had 
just standing around a bookstore. And the amount of people, Dan Bongino posted, you know, he asked everybody on his podcast, if Pelosi moves and impeaches Trump, everybody show up. I want to have a rally. And, you know, you just said Rolling Thunder did the same thing. If this happens based on the, what you say, 2,000 people were at Tyson's, you can multiply that by at least 100 just from people listening to you who are going to come. And this country, what you said, there's something afoot with regards, just like with liberty and tyranny. This book has got a lot of people waking up and moving and recognizing and ready to rock. And uh, you've got the clarion call. We're listening because you are the great one, and we know it. We wow. listen. We get truth out of you. And we are more than happy to be uh, be our modern day uh, revolutionaries here, the three percent, because this country's too great and too awesome to let it go. Well, Brian, I want to thank you, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And it was great to see you there. And you know, there was a lady who came. I don't know if you saw her, and she had a breathing tube in her esophagus. And she had an assistant, an African-American assistant, and her husband. And she obviously wasn't able to talk. And my wife and I looked at each other. We almost, really almost lost it. That this woman, in this condition, such a patriot, such a lovely human being, would come to a book signing. All the, all that, all the trouble she had to go through to come is, I, I can't tell you how that made me feel that somebody would do that, come to see me. And this is why, Brian, I treat, I try to treat everybody with respect who comes up to me. I don't have a lot of time. I was there six and a half hours. I think I signed a thousand books. I was so exhausted. My back was killing me, but I said, I'm staying here. I'm not leaving here. These are lifetime memories for me too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you know, I'll, I'll not forget it. And I, I missed coming to plunder in the seat cause I had to take a class for the promotional exam that year in the fire department. And I missed rediscovering Americanism cause I had something with my kids, but I didn't want to miss this one. And, uh, it, it, it was absolutely worth it, you know. And you notice right away when I gave my book to Julie, and I, she goes, "Do you listen to the show?" I said, "Yeah, Mark might recognize me. I'm Brian Fireman, who lives in Baltimore." And you weren't even on me yet, and you looked up and go, "I know exactly who you are, brother." You know, and <laughs> in the of finding that other person's book, and I just man, that was the wow. highlight of my day. And well, brother, people are gonna, people are gonna think we're talking this up <coughs> too much, but I just want people to know. I only do a few book signings. You're all over the country. You're actually all over the world. Just know that we are one big patriotic family. We really are. Whether you're able to come to the book signing or not, we are. Thank you, Brian. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. for me to get through this commercial without salivating. This Father's Day, give Dad a gift pack with the Omaha Steaks he craves. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, in the search bar. 
for 74% off the Father's Day Steak Fix gift package. A $235 value, now for only $59.99. Now, order right now, and here's what you'll get. Two tender filet mignons, two bold top sirloins, and that would be enough, but it's not. Two savory pork chops, four Omaha Steaks burgers, Oop, more, four massive gourmet jumbo franks, Four crispy chicken fried steaks. Holy mackerel. All beef meatballs. Four premium chicken breasts. Four caramel apple tartlets for dessert. A packet of Omaha Steaks signature seasonings. And you'll get four extra Omaha Steaks burgers free. Now that is an amazing package that you can gift to your dad. Or stock up for incredible summer grilling yourself. All at 74% off. Again, Order now, and you can get this exclusive Omaha Steaks Father's Day Steak Fix Package valued at $235 for just $59.99. Just go to omahasteaks.com. Type code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, into the search bar. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Here's another wonderful Father's Day gift. I want you to go to your favorite retail bookstore or warehouse store, or right now, I want you to go to Amazon.com. Unfreedom of the Press is 40% off. It's $16.80. It is the perfect Father's Day gift for any male in your life on Father's Day who's a patriot. I know they're going to love it. You'll see the smile on his face. Any retail store, They're on sale all over the place. I don't understand this business that much, but when a book is number one, it's deeply discounted. Now's the time to get it for Father's Day. Father's Day is really just a few weeks away. It's the perfect book for Father's Day. It's also the perfect book for every day, quite frankly. But on Freedom of the Press, I know you're going to love this book. Just look at the reviews. I know you're going to love this book. It's very, very important. Let me go to the call screen. Mason, Valencia, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go. Uh, Many, many years to come. I hope the good Lord blesses you with at least 150 more years to keep the politics left. That would be remarkable. Yeah, out of back. Thank you. Just a a quick uh, clarification on the uh, tip income. Uh, yes. Retired enrolled agent uh, yeah. on box on box two, three, four, five, six, box seven. There is a in, in, an entry that the employers had to make uh, relative to each of the servers' gross receipts for each and every night. So the the credit card tips are automatically reported. However, if the server or the bartender refused to report, self-report, they would take I think it was eight percent of the gross receipts of those sales for each night to be reported. So we need to ask AOC if, in fact, those are on her W-2s, if, in fact, her employer... I think we ought to have all her tax information released, don't you, Mason? I certainly do. I think what's good for the goose is good for the Marxist leftist. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute all our heroes out there. Thank you. I'm about to leave. Jump on Amazon.com, order your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you.